What a beautiful song, and, and uh, I'm going off script maybe a little bit as I listen to that song. It reminded me of, um, you, ever, you ever been overwhelmed? You ever been overwhelmed? You know, the, I, I think we often impress one another with our strength, but we find like connectiveness and community in our, in our weaknesses, don't we? And that's what Scripture speaks to. Scripture says that when I am weak, then He can make me strong. And, and today, that's kind of what we're going to talk about is like this prayer, this dangerous prayer, break me. And so as we were singing that song, I'll be honest, I was a little overwhelmed with emotion thinking about the, the reality of the truth of those words, prone to wonder. I think Stefan mentioned that. We're, we're all kind of prone to wonder, aren't we? And go our own way, do our own thing, have our own selfish desires, our own ambition. And sometimes God has to get us to the point to break us so that when we become weak, we lean on him and we ask him and we, you know, and I, I've, I've openly confessed the last few weeks and I guess for a while, I'm, I'm a prideful person. Anyone else, like, you're a prideful person, okay, you can put your hand up, be proud of your pride. I don't know if that's a good thing, but, but I am. And, and uh, sometimes God, yesterday I was humbled Yesterday, I was uh, supposed to ride 65 miles for a, a charity ride, and uh, I made it only 50, and like from mile 35 to 50, I was severe leg cramps, and so I'm like pushing through. I, I mean, just on this, that like 15-mile stretch, I had two hot shots, some pickle juice, some pickles, a banana. Does that make you hungry? <laughs> Sounds like I'm pregnant, but I'm not. <laughs> but... I should never go off script. This is what's happening. <laughs> and uh, at, at mile 50, there's this rest stop, and I'm like, oh, praise God. And I, as I tried to get off my bike, my, both my, my quads just completely locked up, and I just fell. And I was just laying on the ground in dirt. And people are handing me pickles with grass, and I'm just like shoving in my mouth. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. But I met a guy named Roger. I would have never met Roger if I hadn't fallen on my bike, and I don't know why I'm telling you this. But when you think, so the prayer today is, Lord, break me. And that's a, that's a, like, if you're new, we're in a series called Dangerous Prayers. And if you're new and haven't figured it out yet, my name's John, and, and I'm the pastor here, and it shocks me too, I'm sure it does you, but... This prayer is dangerous. And I would challenge you, don't pray it unless you really mean it. Lord, break me. Because it is in our brokenness that God tends to shape us most. There's always progress in the pain. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We were... Uh, prayer number two, like search me, Psalm 139, David said, search me and know my heart, test me and see if there be 
any anxiety or fears in me because oftentimes our fear reveals where we lack faith. And so this idea of testing, we talked about it. So this idea of, Lord, break me because in our brokenness, oftentimes on the other side of brokenness is blessing. God never wastes a hurt, but sometimes God uses pain to, to produce progress. And the progress that God wants to produce, what, what is God's goal for you as a follower of Jesus is that you would become more like Jesus. Like God is shaping you and forming you into the image of Christ. That's his goal. And we've talked about this idea that oftentimes in, in our prayers revolve around like God's protection for us and his provision of us. And I want to be clear that I don't think it's wrong to pray that God protects us and provides for us. I mean, it speaks really clearly to that in Psalms 23. He is our good shepherd. He does lead us and he guides us and he provides for us. Those aren't wrong things to ask, but I think oftentimes that that becomes the priority of our prayer. The priority of our Christian life is God to bless me and provide for me and protect me. I want, I want to be comfortable. Can you get, does that resonate with you guys? That's, that's, that seems to be our natural bent. And those aren't wrong things to pray, but, but maybe they're short-sighted. Because if on the other side of brokenness is blessing and on the other side of pain is progress, that progress being I'm more like Jesus, then maybe it is a good thing to pray that God would break me because I'll become more like Jesus. Well, it's already heavy in here this morning, isn't it? Let's get back to the bike ride and talk about my embarrassment. Are you guys like, you were more engaged with that. Let me ask you a question. I want you to wrestle with it. Have my prayers become so safe, stale, and stagnant, there's no need for the Spirit? That's a tough question, isn't it? When we talked in, uh, a few weeks ago about David's prayer, Lord, test me, and we talked about there's progress in the pain, we, we mentioned, which almost everyone mentions when you talk about this in James chapter 1, verse 2, right? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall under various trials and tribulations. Like, be excited, there's pain. That, that doesn't seem normal, does it? Do you guys get up every morning and say, oh, God, bring it on? <laughs> and I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. Like, I don't, so what we're not saying, Lord, break me, what we're, what we're not trying to say is, Lord, bring it on. Make me suffer. I want to be broke. I want you to attack my kids. I want to get cancer. That's not what we're saying about, Lord, break me. But in our brokenness, in the pain, in the trials, James does say that you can count it all joy. There can be peace in the pain because Jesus is with you. And then there's, there's progress. And what does he go on to say? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, it produces, say it with me, patience. That's why I was always taught as a kid, don't pray for patience. It's similar to don't pray for break me unless you mean it. 
Because patience doesn't just happen. It comes through the testing of your faith. Turn, turn to Romans chapter 5. In, in our reading schedule this week, we happen to be reading Romans chapter 5. And, and I've read this passage a thousand times. It usually, uh, because of verse 1 is so powerful, I kind of just get focused on that. Verse 1, Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith... We have peace with God. And we've talked about it in this series in Philippians chapter 4. Paul said, worry about nothing, pray about everything. That's verse number 6. And then verse number 7, he says, and the peace of God will guard and keep your hearts. And so prayer leads to peace, right? Prayer is the pathway to peace. We've talked about this. But here's a different word. So to have peace of God is like we got to pray. we got to commune. we got to give our worries to him. But in verse 1, it says to have peace with God, to be justified by faith, you've got to give your life to Christ. And understand this, you can't have the peace of God in your life until you are at peace with God. And the only way you can be at peace with God is to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It's not about church attendance. It's not about your good works because our good enough is never good enough. The only way to get peace with God is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ placing your faith in him. All right, so that's usually where I stop, but look what it continues to say. Look at verse three. Not only that, but we also, what does it say? We glory in tribulations. Doesn't that sound familiar to what James said? Knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope, the hope in Christ. And I love this phrase, verse five, or verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus does not disappoint. All this is introduction to get you to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. The prayer is break me. What we're not saying is, Lord, hurt me, make me poor, attack my kids, give me. That's not what we're saying. So in John chapter 3 and verse 30, John says, He must increase, I must decrease. That's this prayer, break me, in a, in a verse. Lord, you're the priority. You must increase, I must decrease. If we could kind of summarize in three words what this prayer, break me, is. Interesting enough, I asked two different people this week. I already had my answer in my head, but I asked two different people, what does it mean when I say that we should pray, Lord, break me? Both of them basically gave this three-word definition that I want to give for you today. I surrender all. And if you grew up in church like me, you automatically start thinking of that song, right? Because it was the last song we sang, it seemed like every Sunday. So when I hear the song, I've been trained, it's time to eat, just so you know, okay? <laughs> Hungry now, just saying it. All right. Lord, break me. I surrender all. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. We're going to read two stories in this chapter that play out this thought. 
Verse 3, being in Bethany at the house of Simon, the leper. So, I mean, we could talk about that. Jesus is at the unclean person's house eating. Speaks a lot about Jesus, doesn't he? As he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. She broke the flask, poured it on his head. I find it interesting that, that a woman would find it, in this context and culture, Jesus approachable. This wouldn't be a normal occurrence in this culture that a woman would approach the man. There was something different about Jesus, wasn't there? And this is about two days before Jesus is going to be the disciples in the upper room, before his crucifixion. And she anoints Jesus with this very costly oil that would, would represent about a year's worth of salary. And it's this extravagant expression of worship to her Lord and Savior. It's a foreshadowing of soon to be his death, and he, he will speak to that in a minute. Jesus is gathered in an unclean person's house. A woman approaches him and expresses this extravagant expression of worship, a costly gift of generosity. And what do the religious people, how would they respond? Well, look what it says. Verse 4, there were some who were indignant among themselves. I'm sorry, but this just seems to, like, in my mind, picture the huddle of people in the corner of the church talking. I mean, I've never seen it happen. I'm just visioning it. And why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. So there's a lot of lessons in this, right? Like, if, if you, as a follower of Jesus, express yourself in an extravagant way through worship or through offering, possibly you're going to be criticized. Now, I'll be honest, most of the time, uh, as I think about this passage, I think about the disciples criticizing her because it seems like a natural, um, it's what we naturally do as a part of humanity. Like, the way I've always kind of thought that they, the reason they criticized her is because they were not as generous. And they, they, they didn't choose to honor and worship to the degree that these, this lady chose to worship. And it seems, at least for me, it seems natural when, when someone goes above and beyond that I could have done that. I could have sacrificed that much. I could have been that willing to express myself that I tend to have this idea that, well, I'm going to criticize them because it makes me feel better about myself. Do you guys do that? Just say yes and pretend like you do, okay? It will make me feel better today. That's kind of the way I've always looked at this, why they would have done that. And I was having a conversation with, uh, with Chris Kirkendall yesterday. We were just kind of talking through this, mainly because we were stuck in a car for five hours together, and so I'm just asking him some questions about it. We're just processing together. And he made a statement. I don't know that he even has ever thought about this either, but here's what he said. They thought that her worship of the Savior 
was a waste. We kind of both looked at each other like, wait, let me, and I reread it as he was driving, not me, okay? Why was this fragrant oil wasted? Was Jesus not worth this gift? The disciples apparently didn't think so. So when I read this passage of Scripture, and I kind of have this new perspective of maybe why they were angry, well, Jesus isn't worth that much. It's a waste. That's the word it uses. That's not my words. Her worship was waste. So I think it's I think I think it's right for us as we read the passage of scripture to maybe self-identify a little bit. If you were sitting at the feet of Jesus, which cast of characters would would you most identify with? Are you, are you the one with the extravagant gift, expressive worship? Nothing, nothing is a waste when I give it to Jesus. No act of worship is wasteful. Or are we more like the disciples? Okay. It got really quiet in here. It should be. Let's keep reading. Skip over to verse 22. Seems like this is about two days later. Hold on, I got to skip back. I got to go back. Because they, they criticize her sharply. Jesus says, I'm going to paraphrase, you guys are a bunch of morons. Okay. And then verse number nine. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Were the words of Jesus accurate? Today. We're speaking of this lady and her extravagant gift of worship to the Lord. I just had to point that out. All right, let's get to verse 22. And they were eating. Jesus took bread. This is in the upper room. They're celebrating Passover. He took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Do you see something similar in verse number 22 is what this lady has just displayed by breaking the alabaster box? Jesus said, This is my, this is the bread which I break for you. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul gives us a little more description of this account in, in 1 Corinthians 11, and Paul says what Jesus said to them, this is my body, which is what? Broken for you. And what a picture we have, this lady, of what Jesus is going to do. All right, let's, let's keep reading. Then verse 23, he took the cup, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. 
They all drank it, and he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Do you, do you see the picture here? That Jesus would be broken and poured out for you, for me. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, you probably could picture it in your mind. Paul uses these words and is quoting Jesus. That we, don't, we don't get this quote in Mark chapter 14, but in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul quotes and he says, Jesus said in both cases when he gave the bread, this is my body which is broken to you. This is the cup which is shed for you. It's representing my blood. And then he says in both times, this is my bread, this is my body, the bread which is broken for you. This, do you remember what it says? This do in what? Like you probably remember that when I was growing up, there was a table always right here with this big flower arrangement on it. And right on the front, what would it say? Because it was, what was this table? It was the communion table, right? There's one in the chapel. You can go look at it. Like, this do in remembrance of me. And most everyone would understand that, what's this? That the this is communion. Like, what we're going to do today, we're going to celebrate and we're going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus' broken body and shed blood that was done for us so that we could have peace with God through the shed blood and the broken body of Christ. That's what we do in communion is we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, that he was broken and that he was poured out. But I think there may be a deeper meaning than just that. That maybe what Jesus was saying, this do in remembrance of me, that the this is more than just an act of communion on a Sunday morning in the church service. It is that. And that is good. And we are to do that. But maybe there's a deeper significance that he's actually saying that I should live my life like that. This do in remembrance of me. What is this? It's that Jesus is willing to be broken and poured out out of love for us. And that maybe there's much more significance to just taking this wafer and like this, I want to say shot, but maybe that's not a good thing, <laughs> this little bit of juice that maybe what this lady did is more representative of how I should live. So the prayer, Lord, break me. And I think the Lord uses a lot of different things to break us. For some people, it takes a lot because we're stubborn and hard-headed. Some of you are. I mean, I'm not. But, but sometimes it could be sickness. It could be financial. It could just be like work is tough and I'm overwhelmed. It could be your kids. They're not doing exactly what you think they should do. And let's be honest, that's a little overwhelming, isn't it? It could be through death. There's a lot of ways that God 
can break us. And although the prayer, break me, is a dangerous prayer, I think as a follower of Jesus, it's better to ask for it than to wait for it. God, there's been, a, there's been multiple times in my life where, where God has broken me. And most of the time, it's wrapped around me being prideful and me doing the things that I want to do. And they don't quite work out like I had anticipated. I can remember when I was about 25 years old, taking a group of students, some of them your kids, so we won't get too much details, but it was the worst week of my life, just to be honest with you. And I can remember one morning walking out of the service, because I wasn't getting any more out of it than those kids were, and I walked out into the woods in the mountains of Colorado, and I remember sitting on a log. It was a down tree, just sitting there, thinking, oh, I can't take this. And God broke me. Like, you don't have to take it. I've got it. Because when I am weak, he is strong. I can remember a few years ago when I was in Kansas, and I was just as stubborn and just as prideful, like, I got it. And I remember going for a jog and just breaking down. God said, I told you, I got it. From experience, it's easier to let God get it. Two years ago, this August, I picked up a friend from the airport, and he had had some traumatic experiences. And really, I was just dropping his car off to him, and I remember talking to him for a brief moment. It was back, you know, when you had to wear a mask all the time. And he took his mask off for a second, gave me a smile, and I gave him a hug and said, I love you, man. If you need anything, let me know. That was on a Sunday evening about 5 o'clock. On Monday morning the next day, I was sitting on my computer uh, with, on a Zoom call with missionaries from all over the world, 6 a.m., Monday morning. And as I was kind of getting the conversation started, I looked at my phone, and this guy's wife was calling me. It's like 6.03 in the morning. So I picked up the phone stepped away from the computer and she told me he had died. God uses different things to break us. And I'm telling you, it's better to ask for it than to wait for it. And on the other side of brokenness is blessings. 
I'll say what I started today with. We impress people with our strengths. But we get community through our weakness. And I wonder in my own life, I wonder for you, what might we be losing by clinging to our comfort? If there's strength of God through weakness, if there's progress through pain, what are we losing by clinging to comfort? Turn the page to verse 35. Jesus is in the garden. He tells the disciples to pray. And then he prays. He went a little farther away from the crowd. He fell on the ground. And he prayed. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He's about to be broken and poured out. God, is there any other way? And then he said, Dad, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. And then here he models this dangerous prayer. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. This dangerous prayer, break me. How did we... What are the three words we said? Lord, I surrender all. And so today, for you, is there something you're clinging on to that God's saying, let it go? I'm strong in your weakness. I got it. What, what, what is God asking of you today to surrender? To say, God, I surrender all. And my, my prayer this morning as we partake of communion, I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as we partake of communion today, we're going to do this a little, a little different today. As we pray this prayer, Lord, I, I surrender all. In a moment, they're going to they're gonna sing a song of worship. And what I want you to do is, is whether you're by yourself or as a couple or a family, I want you to take the opportunity during this song to just have communion together. You know, when Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 about communion, he, he kind of gives us some clear guidelines that communion is for those who are followers of Jesus. You've made a decision to place your faith in Jesus for your eternity. That's who's supposed to partake it. It's, it's followers of Jesus who are walking in fellowship with Jesus. And Paul gives a warning. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you probably shouldn't do it. 
If you're not walking in fellowship with Jesus, you probably shouldn't do it. But what I want you to do as, as the band in a moment sings, if you want to come to the altar as a family and, and pray together and partake it, if you want to go out in the hallway and pray as a family, if you want to sit where you're at, I just want you to have a moment with God and as you, as you think of the broken body of Christ, why did he do that? So that you could have eternal life. So that you could have reconciliation with God. Why was he willing to pour his blood out for you? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so as you partake, here's the prayer, right? Break me. I surrender all. Would you pray with me today? God, I thank you for grace, and I thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, forgive me for my, my own pride, for not living a life every day, signing the blank check. God, your will be done. I surrender all. And Lord, I pray that you would help each of us in, our, in this room this morning, those who are listening online, to just be willing to pray, Lord, break me. I surrender all. Thank you for the cross. I pray in the next few minutes as we partake of communion that we would be reminded of the gifts of Jesus.